Hello, office mates. Welcome back to another episode of the Wildcat Offense. This is Wes Ibarra back again to review week three's matchup between our Northwestern Wildcats and the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, before I get into it, I want to thank each and every one of you, the listeners, office mates, uh, for sticking it out with me, talking shop with me. Um, the support, the presence means a lot to the podcast. And again, please, please, please spread the word out to friends, family, colleagues that might be interested in joining the Office Talk conversation. And of course, the podcast can be found on all podcast platforms and YouTube at Offsea Sport. That's O F F C I E S P O R T. We also have a revamped Instagram page with the same tag. So that's again O F F C I E S P O R T. All right, so let's get into it. Our Wildcats went down to uh, Durham to play the Duke. Blue Devils, who I believe were ranked 21st at the time. Like I said last week, this team is hot. They beat Lafayette the week before they played the Cats. And then, of course, they had that big statement win against Dabo Swinney and the Clemson Tigers. And it was a warm, beautiful Saturday afternoon down in Durham. I mean, you couldn't ask for better weather at this point in the year. But let's get into it more deeper. Going into the contest, our Cats were 1-1, one one, fresh off the win against UTEP, like I said, with Duke 2-0. Um, Northwestern being 0-1 in conference play, while Duke is 1-0 in ACC play. I did say last week that I thought the Blue Devils were going to pull it out with a score of 28-14. to Now, here's the thing. I got the 14 points part right for our Cats. But I got the 28 part wrong. Turns out the Blue Devils would mollywop our cats with a final score of 38 to 14. Um, here are the scoring plays as follows. At the 11.06 mark in the first, Duke has their uh, first uh, score with a 24 yard run from Jordan Waters. That was a six play, 56 yard drive, taking over two and a half minutes. Um, the key to this score was that. Again, Northwestern allowed a first drive touchdown. Um, we can't be making a habit of this throughout the season if we want to win six games uh, this year. And this is the third game in a row that they've done this, so that needs to shore up. 14-19 mark of the second quarter, Duke scores from a two-yard run from Jordan Waters. That's his second touchdown of the day. That was the long drive, eight plays, 89 yards, four minutes, 12 seconds. Then, 9.06 mark in the second, Todd Polino hits a 35-yard field goal, capping off a 7-play, 56-yard drive, 3 minutes 50 seconds that possession took. Then our Cats finally get on the board with 34 seconds left in the half. A.J. Henning, 14-yard pass from Ben Bryant. That's a 15-play, 73-yard, 8-minute, 26-second drive. So at this point, the score is 17-7 in favor of Duke. So... By the time the Cats got their first score near the end of the half, already down two possessions or a possession and a half, whatever you want to call it, or no, two possessions, but oh my goodness, couldn't have had a more horrid start to the first half, especially against a very on-fire team like the Blue Devils. Second half wouldn't be much different. 10 minutes, one second in, Duke has a three-yard touchdown run from their QB1, Riley Leonard. 
capping off a 9-play, 80-yard drive, taking a little under 5 minutes. 3.08 mark in the third quarter, Riley Leonard again. 2-yard touchdown run, 12 plays, 94 yards, five, almost a little under 5.5 minutes of that drive. So Riley Leonard already has 2 rushing touchdowns in a quarter. Kind of like how Waters had the 2 touchdown runs to start off Duke scoring. 6.32 mark in the fourth. Peyton Jones has a 15-yard run score, capping off a four-play, 26-yard, two-minute, 20-second drive. And in garbage time, minute 20-second left in the game, our Cats get their second score of the day. Brendan Sullivan, 10-yard run, capping off a 13-play, 71-yard, five-minute, one-second drive, 38-14 Cats. If we break it down, after one, Duke seven, Cats nothing. After the half, 17-7, Duke. At the end of the um, third quarter, it was 31-7, Duke. And then, of course, both teams trade touchdowns, or score a touchdown each, rather, in the fourth, finalizing with a 38-14 win for Duke. So Duke climbs to 3-0 and on the year, while our Cats fall down to 1-2. and It's tough. That was a pretty tough one. And if we break down the numbers part of it, rushing, Duke, 268 to 104. Passing, Duke, 219 to 163. Total offensive yards, 487 to 267 in favor of Duke. So we pretty much more or less was half of their offense while they're just racking up yards on the passing and rushing end. Um... Luckily, it looks like our team did not have a problem from a penalty standpoint. Just one for eight on our side, while it's one for 15 on the Duke side. Um, The biggest thing that, again, I'll take away is the time of possession. This time it wasn't as bad. Duke with 31 minutes, six seconds, while our Cats had 28.54. Though I will say the third quarter was run by Duke by a big margin 1026 to 434 the one offensive highlight i will give to our cats though is that we had a fourth down conversion so we were one of three on fourth down while we were able to stuff duke um on their fourth down try early in the game i believe that was in the first quarter um so that's a one highlight of our defense there or i'm sorry it was in the yes it was in the first quarter at the uh 639 mark So, at least we had one good stand there. And um, here's the big thing here uh, with with this stat. And it's the red zone. While our Cats did good, from a percentage standpoint, two for three out of the chances in the red zone, um, Duke was four for, or five for five. Four touchdowns, one field goal. While we couldn't have uh, capitalized on... One of our chances, that's okay, coming away two of three in the red zone. So that's not bad, but shouts to Duke for going 100% in that area. Now let's go on to our individual offensive stats. Ben Bryant, QB1, went 17 for 34 with 123 yards. One tutty, one pick. Longest throw was 20 yards, got sacked once. Brendan Sullivan saw action in this game. 5 for 6, 40 yards with a long of 14. He got sacked once as well. Um, 
rushing. We had Cam Porter going with 10 touches, 49 yards. Longest run of 25, averaging 4.9 yards a carry. Pretty decent day for Cam. Brendan Sullivan going 5 touches, 22 yards, longest of 10, 4.4. Again, not bad either. And the third person I want to point out here is, of course, our gadget guy on offense, A.J. Henning. 3 touches, 17 yards, 9-yard run was his longest with an average of 5.7. And, of course, on the receiving end, Cam Johnson, 5 for 45, with uh, 13 as his longest reception. Bryce Kurtz, four receptions, 42 yards, longest of 20. Um, of course, then there's A.J. Henning, five receptions, 24 yards, one touchdown, his longest 14. So he had the one big offensive touchdown for today, non-rushing. Um, one thing I did want to notice is that, yes, Brendan Sullivan did have the rushing touchdown. So... But yeah, AJ Henning with the one pass touchdown wide open. It's it was kind of hard to believe that Duke kind of left him wide open there. But again, uh, he's having a pretty decent start to the season. Now let's go to uh, Duke's portion of the stat sheet. Riley Leonard, of course, went 12 for 12 before going against the Cats. 15 for 20, 219 yards. Surprisingly, no touchdowns, but also zero interceptions. Got sacked once. At some point, Duke, towards the end, and towards the end of the first half, and towards the end of the game, they put in Henry Bellin, the fourth, who put up zeros for the most part and got sacked once. Rushing, Riley Leonard having 13 attempts, 97 yards, two touchdowns, like I mentioned earlier, longest of 33 yards, averaging 7.5 yards a carry. Jordan Waters, 10 attempts, 65 yards, two touchdowns. 24 longest run, 6.5 yards of carry. So really, really good day for those first two guys. And there's also Jaquez Moore. 10 attempts, 61 yards. 19 yards was his longest run, averaging 6.1 yards of carry. And there was one big run by Travis Bates. His only touch, but it went for 32 yards. I also want to focus here on Peyton Jones, also having four attempts, 22 yards, and one touchdown. So... All the touchdowns from Duke came from running plays. So run defense needs to shore up this coming week against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Receiving had a heck of a day too with Jalen Calhoun. Five receptions, 112 yards. And Jordan Moore with five receptions, 56 yards. So it seemed like, in a way, Duke played a very, very methodical game on offense. And... Unfortunately, our Cats offense wasn't able to respond. But when you play against a nationally ranked team like that on the road, and they seem to have nothing to lose so far and everything to gain, it is a very tall task. And before I dive more into that, let's get into our individual defensive stats. Leading off with our Cats, our fearless leader on defense, Bryce Gallagher with 13 total tackles, 2 solo, 11 assists. One and a half tackle for loss. Devin Turner had four solo tackles, five assists with nine total tackles on the day. Xander Mueller, one solo tackle, six assists, seven total tackles. One and a half tackles for loss as well for five yards and half a sack for four. Also recording sacks are Anto Saka and Haggerty Ritchie, half a sack. And with TFLs, Richie Haggerty. Anto Saka, which is also the sack, and P.J. Spencer.
On the Duke side, Dorian Mausi, two solo tackles, eight assists with 10 total. Half tackle for loss. Chandler Rivers, five solo tackles, one assist with six. Joshua Pickett, two solo tackles, four assists, six tackles in total. Kendall Johnson, three solo tackles, two assists with five. One tackle for loss, one sack. Brandon Johnson, two solo tackles, two assists with four total tackles and one tackle for loss. Those recording sacks as well for the Blue Devils. Aaron Hall with half a sack. Michael Reese with half a sack. TFLs that are non-sacks. Dwayne Carter with half a TFL. And Miles Jones with the TFL. And an interception. So, also a pretty good defensive performance from the Blue Devils. Again, this is a very good team. And of course, when good teams want to win, they play a complete game. On both, or on all three facets of the ball. That was a tough one, I will say. That was a really tough game to watch. Um... For making this uh, podcast for you guys. But that's the thing about being a program, right? When you're on a program that's on the on the rebuild side, you want to be able to get through those tough losses. So that way everyone gains the experience. Everyone gains the, the time. And also the understanding of how to keep progressing as a team. Now, like I said, you know, there were some plays that really, really did well for the cats right like that touchdown pass from bryant to henning to end the half wide open pass very good offensive execution from the um offensive side of the ball also at the 957 mark in the second half the third quarter um cam porter had a 25 yard gain to the 50 so there were a lot of Things that perhaps weren't fun to watch, but there were also a couple highlights. Uh, of course, when it's all Duke, it can get really, 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 I guess, underwhelming, for lack of a better term. Because, again, we want our team to win, not the other team. But we really, we really got overmatched that week, and hopefully... As the season goes on, the team improves, and we can scrap a couple wins here and there. One big concept I wanted to share with you all. I'm looking at the drive chart for today's game. Northwestern's first four drives were all three and out. While the first four drives of Duke went as such. Touchdown, turnover on downs, touchdown, field goal. That, again, is another representation of how that day went. And, again, the only bright side to this, in my opinion, is that these are going to be the experiences that help build the team's character, the team's uh, moxie into becoming a force in the Big Ten once again in the future. But, of course, new coach, almost new everything. We got to get through these tough times first before we start experiencing the fruits of the labor on the field so it was a really good game by duke i mean there's really nothing else i can say i mean 
it's also surprising to see that Duke only punted once. So the fact that we could barely get the Devils to go three and out, that's another compliment to them and also a point of emphasis for the Wildcats to work on. But moving on. So our Cats are 1-2 and two going into Saturday night's primetime game against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. So it should be a fun Saturday night over at Ryan Field. First Big Ten game uh, at home in Evanston. Last year did not did not go well. Minnesota beat NU in the Twin Cities 31-3. Uh, for those that remember, Mohamed Ibrahim had 178 yards on a day with three touchdowns. So run defense was getting its work that day. That year, Gophers scored every quarter while the Cats only had a field goal in the second quarter. So hopefully better results this time around, this time in, in the house. And maybe the Cats can score more than three points while hopefully keeping the Golden Gophers under 31, or at least not allow them to score 31. Minnesota on the year is two wins and a loss, 13-10 victory against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. So they are 1-0 in Big Ten play. A 25-6 Week 2 victory against Eastern Michigan University. And a 31-13 loss this past weekend to North Carolina Chapel Hill. So the Golden Gophers weren't that far from where the Cats play. So a fun fact about that part of the country, Duke and North Carolina, I believe, are separated by 7 miles. I could be wrong about that. But it is a very short drive. They tend to document that when March Madness or even college basketball season rolls around. But it's kind of interesting to see the Cats play Duke, the Golden Gophers play North Carolina, and practically in the same place at the same time. I believe going into that game, Carolina and Duke were very close to each other in the AP poll. And of course, they're both led by two good quarterbacks, and ultimately, ultimately, there was a more than two-score possession victory for both teams. Going into Saturday's game again, the Cats are an 11.5-point underdog at home. So for those that are looking to place a wager on this game, there's something to keep in mind about that. Man, I want the Cats to win. And I really think this is a winnable game because, as you can see, outside of Eastern Michigan, they haven't really scored more than 20 points. And if you look at if you look at the games that we've played, outside of UTEP, we haven't scored that much either, but this team is capable of scoring more than two, uh, two scores. So if I really had to break it down to you all, I'm going to say that the Cats unfortunately will fall, but it's going to be at a score of 17 to 13. I think it'll be a really close, very ugly game. Um, I could see a lot of defensive successes, a lot of offensive struggles, or maybe even just a little bit of both. But I tend to see these games as more of a try to win tough, try to scrap whatever you can. And, you know, if the Cats, 
can actually pull it out, I'd be very happy. But I think the Golden Gophers will will pull it out. Um, and But it will be a very, very tough game. Again, I hope I'm wrong. I know you, the listener, are probably wondering, Wes, why are you, why are you not um, predicting the Cats to win the game? I want them to win. Don't get me wrong. I really do. I really do want them to win. But when we look at the reality of things and looking at historical results, and of course we're looking at team stability at the moment, Minnesota has the edge. But again, anything can happen. That's the beauty about sports. And I hope that the Cats can prove me wrong and pull out maybe a 17-13 win for them. But let me know what you think, fellow office mates, as we're talking shop today about the Cats. Do you think the Cats can pull it off, or does my expectations sound realistic? Also, provide what you think the Cats should work on for the rest of the year. It's crazy to think that, in terms of games played, we're already 25% of the way through the season. So, 12 games, right? We've already played three, and we're going to go on four. So... Man, like it goes by quite fast and it's also crazy to think that we're going into October, November. All those all those uh winter months when football gets very very interesting. Real quick, I did say before at the start of this project that we will be covering men's basketball alongside football and we do have some good news about the basketball team, the Big Ten Conference schedule just came out for the Cats, and it is as follows. So, December 1st at home, the Cats have Purdue on the road at Illinois January 2nd, at home January 7th against Michigan State, on the road January 10th and 13th at Penn State and Wisconsin, respectively, home on January 17th versus the Maryland Terrapins on the road on January 20th against Nebraska home on the 24th and the 27th of January against Illinois and Ohio State respectively at the end of January they're on the road to play Purdue so the 31st Saturday February 33rd or 33rd third they are at Minnesota they return home February 7th and February 11th to play Nebraska and Penn State February 15th and February 18th on the road at Rutgers and Indiana. Thursday, February 22nd, they are at home against Michigan. February 28th on the road against Maryland. March 2nd at home against Iowa. Away March 6th at Michigan State. And on March 9th, 2024, home game, which looks to be the senior game against Minnesota. So a lot of good games to go to if you are looking to get tickets for this upcoming season. Especially that Friday night, December 1st game at Purdue, first game at home. Michigan State looks to be good. Of course, you can't miss the Illinois games and the Michigan games. But there is a lot of a lot of excitement regarding men's basketball. Being in the lowlights in 2021 to getting hot last season and making it into the um, March Madness tournament, going all the way to the Sweet 16. Like, 
oh my goodness, like you can't make this up. And of course, Coach Collins and company do want to build off on that. Perhaps another run in the NCAA tournament. And it's going to be awesome to see Welsh Ryan Arena be packed to the brim for both home and away fans this year. Just because just because of the momentum that the team has been getting from that March Madness run. So hopefully I can catch a couple games this year. Hope to see you all there, the listeners, because, of course, there's a lot to be excited about again with this team. And, of course, hopefully football can turn it around. Well, that's it for this week. Um, Hopefully everyone enjoys the game on Saturday night against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Though I did not pick them to win, I really, once again, hope that the team can pull it out and get that second win of the year to get back to 500 at 2-2. Two and two. Um, Once again, thank you so much for the support, the listening, the plays. It means a lot. Pass it along to friends, family, colleagues to join in on the office talk, sports talk, shop talk conversation. I can be found at O-F-F-C-I-E-S-P-O-R-T on all podcast platforms, YouTube, and the revamped Instagram page. Spelled the same way, O-F-F-C-I-E-S-P-O-R-T. We'll talk again next week recapping the Minnesota game and the following game against the Penn State Nittany Lions. Until then, I'll see you next week, and go Cats!